Hi, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Miseducation of the SLP. My name is Ingrid, and welcome to our new intro, which was created by my nephew. How awesome. Again, I'm your host, Ingrid. And I'm Ayelet. And we're here to tell you the stories of our career and to spend a little time educating you on how we've navigated this field, giving you great advice based on the story of our peers. And sometimes how we're drowning in our field. Absolutely. So we recorded this episode once before. So sad. We were actually in the same room together. It was so exciting. Ayala was like, this is going to be dope. And you know what? It actually was a great episode. But we heard the quality and we're like, man, that that's some bullshit. We can't we can't put that on the Internet. Like (laughs) we want to sound to sound good for all of you guys. So we decided to go back to our original format where we're in separate rooms. So, um, of course, on this episode, I have heard the story before of uh, the featured storytelling event changing SOP, um, unlike all the other episodes. But what I will say is that it's going to just have additional thought, additional feedback, and additional support because I've thought about this shit for a long time now. So it should be the dopest shit ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to start take two for us of um, our story with Brad, the legend. (laughs) And we decided that we're going to start giving everyone nicknames um, for future episodes. So we're going to start here with Brad, one of the very few male SLPs represent the 2%. (laughs) I'm all about that. I'm all, I'm a huge fan of the 2%. Yes. Yes. Yes, man. Do, do it, do it. Bring, bring us forward in this career of SLP. I'm about that. So tell me about Brad. All righty. Well, talking to Brad, um, a little bit about his career, his background. Um, He started out as a singer, actor, dancer, And um, he went back to school to try to pursue a bachelor's in theater arts. Um, But as it turned out, there wasn't a lot of jobs teaching performance arts at the college level. Uh, So he kind of took a look around to see what else his university had to offer and kind of fell into speech pathology. He remembered that he had a performer friend Uh, that was headed off to Columbia University in New York City to pursue speech pathology um, when they had met in, uh, when their paths had crossed in Japan, actually, in 2005. So immediately he called her up and started learning as much as he could about the field. He spoke to an academic advisor who recommended that he sit in on a graduate class on voice disorders before he changed his major to communication disorders. It actually was starting in about 20 minutes. So all of a sudden, there he is in a classroom looking at the larynxes of local performers with whom the teacher had worked as clients. Even though she didn't mention their names, based on the other things that she said, he knew at least one of the people whose larynx they were looking at. Oh my God, (laughs) he said. He wanted to be a voice pathologist. 
After changing majors, getting into grad school, and finally to that fantastic voice class, only to find out that it was only offered online. Womp, 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 he said. Uh, So that's really where his expectations about grad school would start to fail to be met. Um, So I'm going to switch into first person here and kind of talk in his voice for a little while. He says, my school seemed to focus on churning out school-based SLPs, not an area of interest of mine in the least. However, after two short stints in the medical setting, a rehab hospital and a SNF, I found the rehab hospital setting chaotic and exhausting and the SNF setting to be a shady, shady business. I feel that. I really do. Okay, let me pause you right there when it comes to the SNF setting. The SNF setting is difficult. I've worked in the SNF setting. I find it to be really detrimental to all of us um, because of how it's shaped. However, I will say... During my experience as a travel skills therapist in the SNF setting, I had a great, I had a lot of fun because I went in, did my job, and I left. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I had some great, great patients in the SNF setting, but I, I, I mean, it was just, it was not for me. And granted, I know that they're not doing rug levels anymore and that things have changed a lot since the last. My God, have they changed? But what I will say is that the same culture exists. It's money driven. It's centered under the idea that we need to live within this patriarchal financial structure. Let me not get started on that whole thing, because (laughs) when I say this is a patriarchal financial structure, it's a patriarchal financial structure. It's why men make more than women. It's why we fight. Um, in regards to how we look at things in the world, it's consistent with this culture. It was built by a bunch of men sitting around in a room creating our constitution and laws. So I, I call it that just because. But I will say, like, as women who are in the world of providing services, it is very, very interesting how skilled nursing facilities work and we have the capacity to change it. We have the capacity to push it forward. And we have the capacity to be really creative in how we do that. But it is a hard environment, for sure. I would not recommend it for the week of heart. You have to really have an appreciation for money. Because <laughs> you make the most money in that environment. Yes, you do. And you have to be really ready to... Keep that productivity Oh, yes. And in the second sense, you have to really be able to adjust to the idea that this is not necessarily about patient care. This is about my bottom line so that I can do some different things in my life. That's, you know, you have to live honestly in the skilled nursing facility because it is the most lucrative of all of the settings. Um, It is. Oh, I know. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Did I ever tell you about the colleague who told me that maybe I'd be able to get all my minutes with my patients if I, you know, did things like not taking a lunch? Ooh, tell me about this. Like, what do you mean? Yes. I literally had that conversation with a colleague, um, not even a boss. She was like, you know, you wouldn't have a problem um, getting your minutes with all these patients if you if you didn't take a lunch. Yeah, okay. 
And that was a suggestion for you in your in your day at work. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why do we think it's okay to make that recommendation? Like, who created us so that we feel like it's okay to continue to deprive at a worse level? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't get that. Like, I feel like we continue to strip away our own humanity. Like, and this was a fellow SLP yeah. who was about my age, who was also new to the field, who felt the need to pass on that little nugget of wisdom no, to me. And don't get me wrong, I am used to working without a lunch, but uh, ugh, no, I just rub me the wrong way to be told that that's what I should be doing. No, thank you. It is not how I live in the world. It's not acceptable to me that we need to continue to do these inhumane things. I want my 15 minute break. I want my 30 minute lunch. I want my other 15 minute break in my eight hour shift. And I want to be able to talk to doctors and I want to be able to write comprehensive documentation. And so that means you need to give me 60% productivity. <laughs> Let's talk about that being the reality of things. That's what I would strive for. Because for me to live in this medical career where I'm a nurturer, an entire part of my day, to do it with the exceptional phase, I need to understand that phase. It requires calling doctors. It requires eating a healthy meal. And it requires a break. A real and maybe even going to the bathroom. Who knows? Oh my gosh, what a wonderful <laughs> moment. The fact that you will allow me to go take a moment in the bathroom, absolutely needed. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. So yeah, no, I want that. I want that for us. So 60%, let's advocate for that. Like that can be the norm because patient care is really time consuming. And that means that would create obviously more demand for our career. And if there's more demand for our career, there's a higher pay rate for our career. And if there's a higher pay rate, we can do a lot more in it. So let's get really uncomfortable to say like, this should be the productivity expectation if you want exceptional work. Don't dictate Mm -hmm. that to us. We dictate that to you because we know what excellent work looks like, but that's just my two cents. Continue, I yell it. Continue. Well, anyway, Brad, who wanted nothing to do with the schools after um, his little stints in the medical setting, he decided to go back to the schools. Um, after two and a half years and a near miss close encounter with a kid with a gun. Oh, wait, what? That's that's all I got from him. He had a near miss encounter with a kid with a gun. Oh my god! So he is spending his time in the school system doing his service. Yes, he is. But then he got his California license and started applying for telepractice positions. Girl, no wait, no 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 wait. We I, I cannot move on. I cannot move on. This man- well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to circle back to Brad and get some more information I mean, on that. Whole, like. I, my heart is beating at the idea that I would have had a near miss with a gun in a school. Like I am freaking out about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's on I, anyone who's listening here who works in the school. That is something that's always in the back of your mind for sure. I mean, we have drills for it. We have, um, we have meetings about it at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think that's I may have wrong. told you. This is emotional for me. I think I may have told you my story about my uh, school that I used to work at where um, you would get buzzed in the front door 
walk into the school. And then if you went right towards the administration side, you had to use your badge or get buzzed in to get through that door. But if you went left, which was the main door that went right into the school, right where the cafeteria and the media center was and, and basically access to the rest of the school, that door was open. You could just walk right into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we had our meeting at the beginning of the year talking about all of our safety recommendations, I said, I raised my hand in the meeting with the principal and the assistant principal. And I said, why can somebody get into the office and then just walk right into the school? Why do they not have to be buzzed in through that door that goes directly to the school and not just the door that goes directly to admin? And uh, my principal's response was, well, at that point, they're already in the building. So what difference does it make? Are you, wow, why do people yep. speak like this? What is this? And I have the two of them, my principal and my assistant principal, looking at me like I have four heads for even suggesting, suggesting that that door should be locked as well. Like I'm the idiot. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Like logic should be resounding here. Like you're just coming out with what's real. <laughs> yeah, I I can still I still don't understand that conversation, and I still don't understand how that was let um, to continue like that. But that is the reality of the, the situation, duality, or the hypocrisy, or the double tongue of saying one thing is real, but in terms of action. Mm -hmm. it isn't followed suit seems to be repetitive in this in this culture I think it just it happens in healthcare that you says you can be patient-centered but at the same time cover your ass yeah or in the space of you know we want to keep everybody safe but we're gonna allow anyone and anyone to have a gun <laughs> exactly or, anything that has to do with this double tongue like I want to live in a place that's consistent yeah I just don't understand I mean you have you obviously realize that security is necessary to get into the administration offices and into you know the teacher area where our mailboxes is and are and things like that but you don't feel the need to have that same security on the other door and then even when it's brought to your attention, you look at me like I'm crazy. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I yell it. This is the same place that said, we are the land of the free at the same time that they had people enslaved. Oh, well. Those are yeah. how the systems were structured. So if you look at it with that perspective, you kind of go, well, then that's expected. I kind of, well, I mean, I think this past, uh, year has really been eye-opening to the hypocrisy of some people. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a that's another topic for another day. Well, eye-opening for some people, definitely, because I think there are part of us that are like, we've always known this to be the, the reality, is that this forked or double tongue of what is supposedly the case not being the case, that's actually pretty normal because we've always known it to be that way. But I think 
we need to return to Brad's journey. So let's go down that, go down that road. Well, there is a, a little bit of happiness here right now. Oh. Um, for Brad says, somehow I found the needle in the haystack of telejobs with a company that hired contractors and offers it as a W-2 position. The other rarity about this job, I happened into a position where I was a full-time diagnostician, had to buy a bunch of digital assessments and figure out telepractice on the double, but it was the first time I loved being an SLP. I'm an want The diagnostician thing, come on, come on. I love it. I love it, Brad. Call me. I wanna. I want in on this uh, diagnostician. No, don't you want to fix the problem? I like diagnosing the problem. It is more concrete. <laughs> there are more rules. Oh. It is more. Uh, it is not as subjective. Oh, oh, and now we come to the. We come to the heart of why diagnosticians love being diagnosticians. It lacks flexibility. It's structured. It's safe. And don't get me wrong. I am always, you know, I am messy and creative, but I like the structure of diagnostics. Oh my God. And I love the messiness of therapeutic intervention. (laughs) I like, I like being creative. I like saying, okay, you know what? I don't know how to fix this because this is so uniquely a problem for you. <laughs> there's, there's no study on you. It's why I really appreciate working with Haitian American, you know, clients or Haitian immigrants. You know, these are people that have never been studied by the speech language pathology arena. There's no normative data. There's no evidence-based practice, but those are my people. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to have the opportunity to carry the science of speech language pathology in congruency with my understanding of my Haitian heritage. And I had the opportunity to do this therapy. Wow, what a novel moment for me. And I feel really excited to be able to walk like that. But you like the structure of diagnostician work. And I'm like, girl, if you don't want to be a pioneer, what do you want to be? in this realm because it needs pioneers. It needs people to change the craft because for so long, I feel like the craft has been stagnant and been doing the same things over and over again and what it's comfortable in. And it's hurt patients, you know? I just, I for me, like I have so much more like comfort and confidence in the diagnostic aspect versus, you know, that the the therapeutic aspect, which which can be a little daunting sometimes, especially like in our field where we're expected to be a jack of all trades. I, I, I like the comfort that diagnostics bring to me. And I like to kind of solve the problem and, you know, poke around and see how things work, I guess. I can absolutely respect that. You know, I, I feel there is something really beautiful about diagnostics in a really good way. Like when you look at what is the underlying element, that's the discussion of the MBSIMP is like, okay, this is this helping us get more information about what the underlying uh, deficits are? But I mean, I might be controversial in saying this, but the MBSIMP, in my opinion, is just 
testing textures. It doesn't teach about like identifying the structural deficits in the moment. And to me, the etiology is like really crucial. What is the etiology? And you can see that on the first, first, second, third frame if you're looking at the frames for that reason, not necessarily for that texture. You can see more deficits with heavier textures, and that's what the MBSIMP advertises. But I really look at, like, I could see that deficit from any texture. I'm supposed to be the diagnostician that can understand the deficit across any fold. Um, that's supposed to be my expertise. But that's, again, a controversial topic, a difficult topic, and probably not one that should be held on our <laughs> on our podcast. But again, you know, it's not to to challenge it, to discredit it. It's just to say, well, when have I known a radiologist that's willing to do AP view with me? And in some places, a radiologist is required to be in the room. So, you know, can I still be a diagnostician without the MBS IMP? And the, for me, the answer is yes. A diagnostician is looking for what's wrong. And that happens mm -hmm. from the first moment that I present something to you. So if we're going back to Brad, um, he, I, we, I asked him, do you feel that you were well educated for this profession? Mm. And he, he answered for the most part, yes. There were some <clears throat> hiccups, ooh, though. Ooh, 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 throat clear, throat clear, throat clear. Throat clear, yeah, he threw one in there. A stuttering professor whose test I couldn't swing a 70% in, despite studying for two and a half weeks in advance. Um, and then I took another teacher's class and got an A. That was an ongoing issue with that professor in the program, apparently, as I bluntly told the program chair when called into a meeting in her office about it. I named names and spoke all the truth to the power. Also, I was baffled when no one seemed to understand the difference between an artic and a phonological disorder when they were taught it by this one specific professor mm -hmm. in grad school. Once out of school, the IEPs were kind of intimidating to me, assessments too. I feel like I needed more, experiencing, more experience in administering the various tests in the school setting. I asked him, what do you think is your biggest miseducation moment? And he said, I can go on for hours about the salary expectations, overloaded caseloads, and all the other BS in the school setting. But to all your listeners, this would be me preaching to the choir. Mm. So I thought I'd give you a more juicy story. This past year, I had to blow the whistle on an assistant superintendent of educational services slash accountability at my previous and future school. Yep, they declined to renew her contract and they're bringing me back, but more on that later. With new leadership comes changes. I get that. However, when a new assistant superintendent fires three of the nine speech therapists in the district, and then proceeds to openly talk about which three to fire next, I was a bit concerned, especially when we had just gotten this district out of corrective action with the state of California for missed sessions, out of compliance IEPs, et cetera, et cetera. 
Apparently, two of the three speech therapists were contractors from my company, and the assistant superintendent called them up to cancel the contract in the name of saving money, saying she was going to install um, a specific uh, telepractice company that many of you may have heard of before, but I'm not going to name names here. Uh, but the assistant superintendent wanted to save money by using this company to staff the whole district instead of the piecemeal staffing that they had currently. Because as she said, and I quote, they'll staff it for half the price. I own them, end quote. Wow. Mind you, this is just after the district had gotten rid of said telepractice company because they hated them. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, I, I have been there before where somebody new comes in and tries to change everything and they make all the mistakes that, you know, the person that was there, you know, two people before them already did. We've been through this. Stop trying to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so what Brad did, and we've talked about this before, I started saving documents and writing everything down. This person told the school psychologists that they had exit quotas, a certain number by winter break. Three different school psychologists told me this in three separate emails, but also stated that the superintendent did not put it in writing. She highlighted a third of the students on my caseload and told me in writing in a Google Doc spreadsheet to exit them. But she did not use the word bubble icon to do it, the one that attaches your name to the comment. The director of education, who was her subordinate, identified her as the commenter on the spreadsheet in a separate email. I collected everything. Contacted ASHA School Division, who said that I might want to contact the local SELPA, which is the, um, what did he call it? The Special Education Local Plan Area. I know these things have different names depending on what city, state, region you're in. Um, so SELPA handles all of the region's IEPs, and they recommended that I contacted the district's, that I contact the district's HR department. On the same Monday morning, she got a phone call from HR notifying her there was an official investigation and a call from the head of SELPA summoning her to a meeting with just her, me, the director of ed, and the director of SELPA. A follow-up email later that day stated that we needed to reschedule as I had requested my lawyer and an audio recording of the meeting. Guys, we need to pay close attention to these things because Brad has really dropped some knowledge on us here. You have to make sure that you are collecting everything, that you have everything in writing. And he even followed up with this meeting requesting that his own lawyer be there and requesting a recording of I it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there, Ayla, because I really feel like let us sit back. Let us think about this, like the amount of effort that the legend known as Brad <laughs> had to come out with to be heard is 
really Herculean in the respect. It's staggering. It really is. The way that we as women look at it, like this, this is a lot. Whereas maybe Brad felt like, well, this makes sense because of his perspective in the world and what he lives in, in the world. And women, the 98% of speech language pathology, let us listen to what the 2%, this young man has come out to demonstrate with us, not only in achieving his dream experience, but also in dialoguing what he did in the spaces where he wasn't experiencing his dream, where he felt things were going wrong, where he found that he was not being treated well. This is an, a unique moment to say, well, goddamn, Brad, okay, I see you. Look at it, look at what you're doing. Oh, shit. And learn. Because I think it's important for us to hear Brad's story and to hear what he has done that isn't the rest of our journeys. Sometimes we yield, which is the most most of us. But he just kept going. He kept plugging along, calling everybody, saying what he felt. He never apologized for his point of view. It was just consistently and reverently there because he just kept pushing. I think that's awesome. It it is. And I've I've had the pleasure of um, you know, having my professional path cross with Brad in the past. And um he has always been a very, you know, very, very fun person to listen to and and just great to learn from. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you because I don't know that I would have, you know, gone to all of these lengths. I don't know that I would have that I wouldn't have just uh, yielded or, or left. You know, we talked a lot about walking away. Um, and it's great that, you know, this was the the job that he loved and he was able to, you know, overcome this superintendent um, and really and really get back to it. And I don't know that I would have had that same drive to, you know, kind of fix the situation for myself. Uh, so... But here he said that all threats of more firings immediately ceased. But six weeks later, a pandemic shut everything down. So I think all of- COVID-19. Yeah, I think we're all up to speed with where we are. So this is a very recent story. And Brad said, when everyone was flipping out how to suddenly change to telepractice, I was like, yeah, I got this. Graduate school didn't prepare me to have to be a whistleblower on an assistant superintendent trying to inappropriately mass exit special ed students who very much still qualify for sure. Epilogue. They did not renew her two-year contract and they asked me to return to my old position as a diagnostician. See? Happy ending. We have a happy ending in one of our stories, Ingrid. It only took four episodes. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, I know. So it, it can happen, guys. If you're listening out there, don't feel like, you know, all is lost. Uh, you can find your happy ending. You can find that unicorn position that you love. Um, we don't always have to feel like we picked a career that's just going to use and abuse us. Well, be careful uh, there also but- in this idea, because the first three women, Shannon, she is 
finding her dream and what she's navigating right now in this career in her own spaces. You dealing with Casey, she definitely is finding joy in her own spaces. And Frances, I know, is living a very happy life as a speech language pathologist. All these wonderful women definitely are doing what they love in this profession. And I want to acknowledge that for all of them. Um, it's been challenging to find that creativity of how to make this profession that way. But women are abundant in their capacity to do that. Brad just has this great talent in the in the experience of being a man in some ways and being consistent in his like drive that this is what he's going to do and he doesn't have to worry about anything else. I'm similar in that because I'm a woman that's unburdened by family, by children, by anything. Like I'm kind of an individual in the world. I feel like Brad and I kind of match in a way. I agree with you on that. I definitely, I definitely could see you um, really fitting into this situation too and really advocating for yourself and pushing and and you know, making sure that you're you are not getting walked all over here. Yeah, there was a joke that a friend told me. She was just like, "Well, just walk in the world like a white man," and I took that shit to heart. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I was like, "Okay," and so <laughs> I would be the brat in the room that's like, "Well, obviously, I'm going to call my lawyer." Like this is <laughs> this is just obvious things that we do in the world. And, um, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm joking about this being a happy ending and that him finding this unicorn position, but he really didn't, it didn't just fall into his lap. He really had to fight for it and make it, make it work for him as we just saw. And that was, you know, those odds may have been unsurmountable to somebody else. I, you know, like I said, I don't think that I could have had the follow through to really, you know, draw a line in the sand and show how this was not you know, this is not right. It's not acceptable. And we're not going to take it. And we're going to make sure that, you know, there's a change here. So that really takes a certain type of person. Um, I think you are, you are that type of person, but you know, I don't think that I, you know, really would have known what to do in this situation without help. That is. So that's really why we're here is to kind of be that help and to talk about these things so that, you know, if you ever come up on this, if someone out there listening ever comes up on one of these situations, they don't feel like they don't know what to do or that they don't deserve to be heard, um, to be understood and to be taken seriously. Absolutely. I agree in that. So I asked Brad, what is your piece of education for the next generation of professionals? And he said, and I agree with this so much. I would recommend anyone starting their undergrad career to shadow a few different SLPs in a few different settings. This is like my, my mantra, like you, my, uh, I always say that we, I come across so many SLPs that, you know, did their CFY in the same setting that they're still working and they've been there for so many years. And, you know, maybe you picked up bad habits from the person who trained you who had also been there for 
since their CFY and had not had any other experiences. And you don't know what to question and what to say no to and where to draw the line because you haven't been outside of that bubble. Um, so I love this piece of advice of really, you know, trying out different settings, working with different professionals and using all of that knowledge combined to chart your own course mm-hmm. and, and really learn to critically evaluate the information that the people around you are giving you. Because like we talked about in this profit driven model, the, the people above you do not necessarily have yours or your patient's best interest at heart. And it's really, really important to be able to listen to what they're saying and hear and kind of tease out, you know, like we talked about before, that double speak or, you know, that, like I said before, some of these places have a really good way of telling you things that sound so reasonable until you've gone out in the world and you've had more experience. And then you look back and you're like, shit, I should not have been doing that. They should not have asked me to do that. Mm-hmm. So I love that piece of advice. Um, he said, I did not expect the seasonal nature of this kind of work. And, you know, we especially find that in the school system that, you know, we're working nine months out of the year and then for the summer kind of have to scramble to look for another job. I know I'm still waiting tables 12 years into this career, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what we're recording right now at one o'clock in the morning after I got off of a serving shift. Wow. You're actually going to put that out there that we are, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of what I do. I, uh, I like sometimes being able to switch gears and, do a different, um, do a different job that doesn't require quite the same. I'm not going to say that serving does not require me to use my brain because it definitely does. And it can be challenging as well. Um, you know, (laughs) I work in the schools now, but I always used to say, even when I worked, uh, you know, when I did contract work, when I worked in the medical setting, if I was at the hospital or if I was at you know, my serving job, I was always feeding people. So there's, there was always that correlation. <laughs> okay. But Brad said, I kind of just thought I'd have to work in the summer, but again, I won't preach to you and the rest of the choir. Listen, so, I can't with all of me, like show you any more respect than the idea that you are discussing the fact that you and I are sitting here at one in the morning doing this podcast so that it can be promoted at 8 a.m., in the same day, because our original recording did not go well. Like, I admire that. I admire that transparency. I think that's really amazing because, like, we are making sure that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that everybody knows we're talking about this stuff for real. And we won't yeah. put anything aside to talk about this stuff for real. And and we want to be transparent, which is why we're telling you this is take two. I mean, this is not our first take. Ingrid has heard this story before because, you know, we had some technical difficulties. We we did not uh, go to school to become sound engineers. <laughs> we did not go to school uh, to, be, to become podcasters. We are not podcasters, but I will say this. Yeah. We definitely appreciate the experience of podcasting because we get to talk with each other in a way that also I hope connects to all of you. Now. That being said, I yell it 
knows our email and she knows how to promote. So I'm actually going to toss that to her within this next few moments, because I think that we should also admit that we're interested in you returning to us, you talking to us, you sharing with us and you giving us feedback. I think we need to give you that platform so that you can do that. So Ayala, by all means, please share what is our email? What is our, you know, hashtags, whatever. And also like if you would like to be interviewed for the podcast if you want to share your story with the rest of us out there please email us at the miss it oh, i'm sorry ooh, the miseducated slp at gmail.com if you are listening to this podcast and you have liked it please give us a rating review us on um apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to your podcast Um, We like all of those stars, please, if you enjoyed what you were listening to. And then also, wherever you are, you can like, subscribe, review, and share, because we would love to share these stories with more and more of you. Um, We had a few very exciting pops in our listeners this week. Um, so we have been learning and growing and it's nice to know that we're not just talking into the void here. There are some people out there listening. So again, please subscribe, like review us. Um, we would love to hear your feedback as well. And you can always email us, um, and reach out to us. And then I'm going to throw in a little bit of the last bit of Brad's interview here. Um, I asked him, how are you making this profession? How are you making this profession something that fulfills your dreams? And he responded, yes, I'm not going to say this past school year wasn't absolutely awful because it was after this past school year of taking on a therapy caseload and all the things I hated about working on site came back constantly missing therapy sessions for IPs and other types of meetings and always being underwater with mountains of documentation on which to catch up, etc. I am going back to my favorite SLP job I've ever had as a diagnostician. Along with testing district-wide, I'll be supervising two to three SLPAs and handling all things IEP for a district in Southern California next year. Something I wish I would have realized before getting into this career is how little room for advancement there is. I got my own LLC right before right before the pandemic started and wanted to try to contract myself out for about double my current rate. But as it is, after this past school year from hell, I'm going back to something I love doing. And I think that that's a really good message too, is that you know, if you have to choose between a job that you love doing versus one that has a little bit more money, Um, You really have to weigh out where your priorities lie. Mm, A crucial, crucial element. And that becomes the idea of priorities versus need. And what is your need in, in against your priorities? Because ultimately we talk about how bills need to be paid and homes need to be paid, but can we downsize them? Can they be smaller? Can we make adjustments? Or do we not just want to make these shifts? And so want against need against priorities is the dance that yes, happiness is the dance that we all make to 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 find happiness for sure. I will say yes. I will say it's important for us to communicate that. And so if you do want to communicate your dance between 
this profession in the space of what you want versus what is needed versus what can be, I would love and enjoy for all of you to email miseducatedslp at is it miseducated or the miseducated? You're right. It's miseducated. I was going to edit that out, girl. I'm not going to edit it out now because you, you came in. But I'm just like, oh, Lord, she said the miseducated. That's I, not oh, it. You're right. You're right. It is miseducatedslp at gmail.com. But our Instagram is the miseducatedslp. So please... Follow us on Instagram. We're going to be posting some um, hot topics, questions, and pictures. Um, and hopefully we'll get a lot of information out to you guys that way. And then we also have a Facebook page now. So you guys can discuss the episode and kind of talk about whatever's on your mind. So the Facebook page is also the Miseducation of the SLP podcast. Hey, I'm going to just let y'all know right now. We created this thing like seven seconds ago. Okay, so <laughs> be forgiving because we're not there yet. We have just started in this, but we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you joining in. But I'm not even gonna lie; like, I'm not ready for y'all to follow me. That's how I yell it. <laughs> I yell it was ready for this to blow up. She did the Facebook. She did the Instagram. I was. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's two posts on our Instagram, so don't get too I'm excited saying, about I'm it. Just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I ain't ready. I'm not ready, okay? But I will get ready. I will get ready for you guys. I will get yeah. ready for Ayelet, who is just leaps and bounds ahead. But, you know, I just wanted to give you some real talk at the end of this podcast. For, sure, for sure, if anyone is leaps and bounds ahead, it is always you. But we would love for you guys to learn and grow with us. Um, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this crazy, weird, uh, take two of an episode. Absolutely. <laughs> so until the next time episode five is going to be lit, I'm about to be talking to some faculty members. This is going to be the real, real. So please feel free to join us on the fifth episode, but, um, I appreciate you joining us on the fourth. So as always, Thank you for joining us and you guys have a good night. Have a good night or a good day or whatever time you're listening to us. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.